Would you pray this prayer with me? It's just three words. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you say that? Let's go. One, two, three. Come, Holy Spirit. And he's already present, so it's not like we have to uniquely ask him to come again because he's already here. But I've been just leaning in so much more these days to say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're wanting to specifically communicate? How do you want to prompt me? What can I do to discern more effectively your voice in my life? And it's been an incredible journey. And I know he wants to speak to us today. I'm so delighted to be here. It was July 7, 1996, when I first worshiped in this church with my family, my wife Gwen, who will be here tomorrow uh, and be part of the conference all this week, and our four J's, Josh, Jamie, Johnny, and Julie. Some of you may know Jamie because she married some usher kid. Um, all of my daughters married down, but they, the boys married up, you know, so it's been a, an okay experience uh, for the boys, for sure, you know, and... And uh, so we just fell in love with this place. We were living in, in this, this city for three months, but we traveled around and spoke at a lot of different churches, and, and I just uh, made friends with Lex Akers and Felicia and just so many people that became a part of our lives and have continued to be a part of our lives over these years. So it's just really, really good to be back here. And Pastor Nathan, thanks for giving me the opportunity to share this morning. Um, I have the privilege of giving focus to the mission uh, work of the Wesleyan Church around the world, and we're in 97 countries. There are more Wesleyans now in Africa than there are in North America. During COVID, you know, when we were all just kind of going crazy, at least in my country, there were 640 new churches planted outside of North America. Because they had a heartbeat that said, if this is going to kill people at a higher rate, shouldn't we get the gospel out even further and faster? And so they planted churches, and I'm just so proud to be a part of that. I don't want to forget this moment, and especially because my wife's not here. I'm going to take your pictures this morning, and uh, we're going to do this section by section, and you need to get kind of excited as I go across. And here's the deal. I'm going to start with you guys, and it'll be pretty lame, and then it gets a little better, a little better, a little better. And so... If you can kind of give it a little bit more at first, set the tone for everybody. I'm not feeling it yet, but we'll get there, okay? So here we go. Here we go. Right here. Ready? Cheer or something. I want to say it's the best first group I've ever had. Beat them. Beat them. Beat them. Here we go. One, two, three. You, you don't have to wait for me to give you some cue. Just start doing it, okay? Here we go. This section right here. Oh, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Sound guys got in, half of them did on that one. Here we go. One, two, three. I'm going to get all of you guys in the last picture here. One, two, three. You guys over there in that one little section did better than these two sections together. No, no I'm just glad because you know what? I, I get back sometimes and Gwen will say, well, what was it like? What was it like? And I'll say, oh, I got pictures. You got to see these people. And it's just so good to be here this morning and to be able to share in this experience. I want us to look at Acts chapter one. Uh, uh, No, I'm sorry, we're gonna be in Acts chapter eight, but I wanna remind you again of Acts 1.8 that says that there's a coming moment when the Holy Spirit's gonna come on you and you'll be my witnesses, and I love this, in Jerusalem, that's where they were. In Judea, that's the expanded area. In the Samaria, say boo hiss with me. Boo hiss. (laughs) Because nobody wanted to reach Samaritans, right? They were the half-breeds. They were the people that nobody wanted. And Jesus said, no, we're going to do Jerusalem and Judea. That's kind of a nice place. And Samaria, the people that aren't like us and we don't like, and to the ends of the earth. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit that started making that happen. 
Today in our world, more than four in 10 persons, more than four in 10 persons live without access to the gospel in their community. We exist to change that. We exist to change that. Can you just hold up four fingers with me? Four fingers? Four, hold up all 10, and 10, no access to the gospel in their community. Not a single Christian, not the word of God. Thank you that you're supporting Wycliffe. I, I just... That overwhelms me that they don't even have access at all to anyone who's a Christ follower. And that should change our lives and what we do. And so today I want to ask you, would you say yes to whatever Holy Spirit wants to say to you today? In fact, could you say that out loud with me? One, two, three, yes. Say it again. One, two, three, yes. And so Holy Spirit, would you in fact meet with us? Would you be so kind as to speak to us? There's some that's not a new experience. There may be somebody here today, maybe several people who can't really identify a time when you've spoken to them or guided them or, or loved them that they are aware of. Would you do that today? I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're in Acts chapter 8, and the scripture is going to be on the screen. I just want to give you a little bit of a background. This is the story of Philip. You remember there's all kinds of persecution that takes place. In chapter 6, there's a bunch of widows who aren't being taken care of very well, and so the apostles are going crazy because they're trying to preach and pray, and they're taking care of widows, and they said, let's appoint seven people to take care of these widows. It was a good idea. And they had two qualifications. I love these qualifications for leadership. They needed to be filled with the Spirit and filled with wisdom. Hey, those are pretty good qualifications, right? If we had just a couple of people, had enough wisdom, and all of us were filled with the Spirit. And, and, and so then this persecution takes place. Stephen's one of them. He preaches. He's just a lay person, right? He preaches. He goes after the religious leaders, and they stone him to death. And at that point, everybody's fleeing, who's a Christ follower, out of the area. Philip goes to Samaria, and when he gets there, Samaritans, again, boo hiss. You know, nobody wants to go there. He went there. He's a layman. How many of you are lay people here? The rest of you are pastors? Man, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's just a lay person, but he goes there. He's never been a preacher. He's never gone and spread the gospel, but he gets there, and God moves in such powerful ways that literally hundreds of people come to Christ. There's people healed. He hadn't healed anybody, but people come up, I've got this lame leg or something like that, and he goes, I don't know. Name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Boom, they're healed, you know. There's this amazing thing going on. So much so that the, the, the church sends James and John, you know, more, or John, James, John and Peter, I'm sorry, to, to the city to say, check this out, make sure everything's okay, you know, because it's a lay person, might be ruining everything, you know. I mean, or the gospel might be going forth in power. And that's an amazing thing. But then we pick up in this chapter a transition for this guy, that changes literally an entire continent. Pick up in verse 26. Now it says, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south of the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It is in the middle of nowhere. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. I love this. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading from Isaiah, the prophet, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? 
Philip asked, how can I? Um, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So Philip, he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. Remember, they're in the desert. This is a pretty big deal. Look, here is water, the eunuch said. What could stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Then there's this little statement. Philip, however, appeared at Zotus and traveled about preaching the gospel from town to town until he reached Caesarea. Just once I want to travel like that. Yeah. Just once. <laughs> I think I traveled about 100,000 miles last year, and uh, I don't know how many, uh, 160,000 kilometers. And uh, you know what? Uh, just once, I'd like to just say, oh, I'm already here. Um, that would just be so nice, um, but so glad to be here. Well, I want to ask you a series of questions, okay? So here's the first one. Are we listening for the Holy Spirit? Are you listening for the Holy Spirit? Because he speaks. He really does. It's an incredible thing. Sometimes when you least expect it, sometimes when you want it, sometimes when you don't want it. Philip is at the peak of his ministry right here in Samaria. A whole community, a whole region of that area is changed and transformed. And the Spirit says to him, go to a desert road where there's nobody and trust me. And he leaves and he follows him. You know what? I think we just get so distracted sometimes from hearing the Spirit's voice. And you know what the number one culprit is? Yep, isn't it amazing? Uh, everybody's on this phone all the time. Most of us have earplugs in uh, a lot of the times too, so we don't get bothered by other people. I, I'm just amazed as I travel around. I've been in resort kind of places and see some couple out in some cabana or something like that, and they're both looking at their phones, you know. And, and, and I, I, I was in Brazil one time, and I was in a not-so-great hotel, but I, and I noticed one day that it had a balcony, and so I, I looked down the balcony, and there was a cafe down there, and there were 21 people down there, and 18 of them were on their phone. My heart was broken. I thought, don't those other three people have a phone? <laughs> Maybe we could take an offering today and send it down there to help them, you know? I mean, it's just amazing how we're just looking at this and not seeing the people around us and not hearing for Holy Spirit's voice. And so what does it mean to really listen? I've just made a commitment in my life, and I mentioned it already, to just say, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I can to just prime myself to hear the Spirit's voice just a little bit better. I'd like to be able to say, you know what? I am all ears. <laughs> Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? And I've been just praying that prayer. Holy Spirit, please. And I actually, in my life, have been preparing less, trying to work less, and I'm just finding that I'm hearing his voice more. I'm trying to put the phone down. I'm trying not to be constantly on that. And he's so faithful to speak to us if we listen if we listen. 
So how good are you at listening for the Holy Spirit? And how much anticipation? So, so listen to this for a second. If in fact we're Christ followers, if in fact the Holy Spirit lives in us, if in fact we are witnesses, because we have to be witnesses, who might God bring into our lives so that we can share Jesus? Like he's not leading people to atheists these days so that they can hear about Jesus, right? He's not leading the people that are just casual about any kind of spiritual things. He provides people just like he did in this situation. He said, go, because there's somebody that needs to know me, and I'm going to send you into the desert, and it'll be so important that you go to reach this Ethiopian eunuch who's this amazing leader in his country, and it transforms parts of the African continent because of it. Don't you believe that, in fact, because you know him, he might bring people right to you? One of my good friends is a guy named Steve Addison. He's an Aussie. Some of you might know him. He's written so much, and he just told a story when he was speaking at our conference recently, and he said, you know what? I, uh, my wife was doing a, 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 a learning English kind of language uh, thing. I forget what that's called. And, uh, and this first guy, there was kind of a spiritual sense of the, we, this is why we do it. And this Japanese guy said, you know what? I just want you to know right up front, I'm an atheist. And Steve just said, good, would you like to study the Bible with me? And he goes, okay. Now, why would you expect that that would be the right question? But who, if he was an atheist, would he bring somebody to but somebody who knows Jesus, right? And it's been a huge journey with this guy. Steve's wife just passed away. We were together right before that happened. And this young man wrote Steve and said, you know what, I've been just thinking so much about Michelle. And I found this Psalm 95, and I just wanted to send it to you guys. This is a guy who's an atheist, but he's in the word of God, and I believe he's going to come to know him. Why wouldn't he bring people to us? So are we listening for the Holy Spirit? Here's the second question. Are we willing to cross barriers? There are so many barriers in this passage that are just, I, I don't like barriers. They're so uncomfortable, you know? And it, it, look at, look at the, the, the different barriers. There. They're different in background. They're different in age. I'm sure that Philip's is way younger than the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, they're, they're different when it comes to language. They're different in ethnicity. Cultures and customs are so different for them, but God brings them together because God has no barriers. God has no barriers. Um, one of the things that I do around the world is greet people and shake hands with people and meet people, and everybody does it different. It's the craziest thing in the world sometimes when I get to places. Um, some people shake hands, some people don't. I was in Russia, and I'm just, I'm, I'm a real huggy kind of person, but I'm in Russia, and I'm shaking everybody's hand, hoping for a hug somewhere, and you know, I'm not sure. I'm shaking the women's hands, and my missionary comes up to me afterward and says, don't shake the hands of women. That's not culturally appropriate here. And I said, I didn't know that. They shook hands with me. Yeah, because they know stupid Americans. <laughs> I was in, uh, in a country uh, in Liberia where they do this handshake, and then they do the, can you help me, Nathan, really quick? They do this handshake like this. Turn sideways so we can kind of see you. I guess you're going to go that way, aren't you? <laughs> so they do that. Then they do this, and then they drag their middle finger through, and they make this popping noise. That's me. Oh my goodness, it's so bad. Thanks for helping me. Can you do that? Yeah, yeah. I can't even snap my fingers, you know. And they do it, and they're trying to do it with me and stuff like that. I, I just failed over and over again, and I'm trying to figure out which one are we doing next, you know. And, and finally, I thought, I think I got this down. And I did it, and, and, I, and they said, that's really great, but they also do this thing, because I never got this far, that they pat each other on the shoulder as soon as they click the finger. And I'm like, 
I'm a loser, you know? I go to Japan and to bow, right? You bow, but how many times do you bow? I'm never sure about that. It's awkward to be doing this when you're bowing, you know? And, uh, you know, did I go down because he went down? Did he go down because I went down, you know? And how many times you do it, and it's just awkward and stuff like that. We lived in Hungary as missionaries, and uh, there they do the cheek kiss, which is not really a kiss. It's just kind of next to your cheek. You just line up the cheeks, and uh, they do both sides. And we had this amazing landlord who was just as wonderful outgoing woman. And uh, they only do it, though, when it's somebody that's family or friend really well-known. They just don't do it with everybody. But, but you just once you get to know somebody, that's, that's how they greet each other. And I thought, Madia, what's her name? She's going to do this whole thing. And I've got to figure this one out, right? Like, which way do you go is really important. You know? And I'm just studying people. I'm in the mall, and I'm seeing young couples come together. And it's always, go left, go left, go left. And I'm, I'm seeing grandmas do it with their grandkids. Go left, go left, go left. And I came into the, the, the apartment that we lived, and Madia came down her stairs, and I'm like, okay, okay. She's going to hug me. She's got her arms out like this already. And I'm like, go left, go left, go left. I went left. She went right. We kissed right on the lips. She laughed. I was just horrified and, and overwhelmed for weeks. You know, I'm like, ah, you know, and, and, and you, you got to get it right, right? There's so many differences even all around us, and there's so many differences between these people. There's even gender issues here. Socioeconomic difference, I'm sure Philip was poor and this man was wealthy. He's a VIP accountant. He's part of the four in 10 today. And I'm asking us, are we willing to cross barriers? Here's the third question. Are we asking great questions? Jesus was so good at this. And Philip doesn't start with a challenge. When the guy comes up, he goes, can you help me to understand that's what Philip says. Do you understand what you're reading? He goes, how can I? Unless somebody explains it to him. He didn't start with, let me tell you about Jesus. He just said, can I ask you a simple question? You understand what you're doing? And that question opened so much. I want to teach you something this morning. You have to participate with this. And I know some, some of you aren't great participations people. But I want to take you through a series of what I call the relationship stack. You ever meet with somebody and you're uh, talking to them 20 minutes and you're brand new to them and you realize you haven't shared names yet? Uh, have you ever actually shared your name, uh, but you didn't catch theirs, and uh, you're in that conversation going, I just got to remember that name, just got to remember that name? Um, you know, how many of you have ever forgotten your own name? Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, there's a few of you. So here's, here's the statement I want you to just uh, hear. Hello, my name is. If you do that right away, you're much more apt to focus again on their name to hear their name because what happens is when I say, hello, my name is, they're more than likely going to say what their name is. A few exceptions to that, but most people go, oh, my name is, and they share it back. So, hello, my name is. The second thing that I want you to think, I want you to think of a nameplate on that first one. You know the nameplates that you put on your desk that some people are, it's on their door or something like that, and it says your name. So I want you to think of a nameplate. Just visualize a nameplate. Can you just do this with me? Just, and say nameplate, ready? Nameplate, okay. On top of that nameplate is a house. Can you do a house with me? Yeah, you can do it. Hey, you're participating really well. A house, and this is the question, tell me where you live. I'm always amazed at how people answer that question because they'll say, well, right now we live, it's like, but we're going to live one day, you know, or I used to live where I grew up, and, and it's an open-ended question so they can go anywhere they want to. Tell me where you live. Third question is one of the most powerful questions I wish I'd have learned a lot earlier in ministry. Tell me about your family. 
Tell me about your family. Okay, so we've got a nameplate. On top of that is a house. I want you to imagine on top of the house is a family. Okay, a family. Tell me about your family. For years, I would look at people's hands to see if I would see wedding rings or something like that to find out. A lot of times I asked, are you married? Can I just remind you that that's one of the most horrific questions you can ask in the world? Because there's 483 answers. Most of them are wrong and bad. You know, like, no, uh, I'm sorry, my spouse just died. Uh, I'm sorry, I have a partner. I'm sorry, uh, I'd like to be married. Thank you for rubbing it in my face that I'm not. Um, no, I'm only four, you know. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, there's just so many ways that question can go bad. But tell me about your family. They take it where they want to. And they say what they want to. And sometimes you get indications of, you know, relationships and stuff like that. But that question is so powerful. Okay, here we are. It's the, what, name, can do it with me? Come on. The nameplate. On top of the nameplate is a house. On top of the house is a family. The question is, tell me about your family. The family's holding a very large clock. Can you do that? It's a very large clock. They're holding that. And the question with that is, tell me how you spend your time. Tell me how you spend your time. And people love to talk about what they do. Uh, if you ask me that, I'd say, I love to hike. Uh, we love to hike wherever we go. We're pole people. We just tear out. Uh, we're going to go. Uh, we've been to Yosemite, I think, 10 times. It's the most beautiful park in the United States. And we've actually hiked Half Dome, if you know anything about that. It's crazy. Can't believe I did that and never will do it again. Um, you have to use cables to get up to the highest part. We love that. We'll talk about that forever. So... How do you spend your time? What's really unique on the clock that they're holding is that they're praying hands instead of just regular hands. And here's the question. How can I best pray for you? Okay, stand up real quick, and we're going to do this whole thing. you got to say it out loud with me. First of all, there's a very large nameplate. On top of that nameplate is a house. On top of the house is a family, and the family's holding a very large clock, and on the clock, the hands are praying hands. Okay, have a seat. I've been asking this question um, wherever I go, especially when I get to the last one, how can I best pray for you? I used to say, how can I pray for you? And here was the common response. Oh, you know, I mean, life's going, you know, I mean, you know whatever. And sometimes they've shared with me, if they shared about their family, some need there or something like that. Well, I said, can I pray with your family? I added the word best. Instead of just how can I pray for you, how can I best pray for you? And I'm telling you, 100% of the time, this is over 200 times at least, here's the answer. Wow, that's a great question. And then they go deep, deeper than I f would have ever expected, especially a stranger to go. I ask this of everybody, but with strangers, it's crazy. I was on the way here. I was in Denver Airport. I had gotten rerouted. I was sitting uh, at a table, and there was a guy next to me. I had to be on a phone call, and I had a person that I said, how can I best pray for you before I got off the phone call? And this guy said, are you a man of God? And it was sort of a mocking kind of term. And I said, yes, I'm a Wesleyan pastor. No, I didn't say that. Um, and he said, uh, yeah, I just kind of overheard a little bit of your conversation. Sorry about that. I heard your prayer. And I said, oh. I, I said, uh, do you have a faith? And he said, I am a very wayward Catholic. I go, oh, good. I, I didn't say, oh, good. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but he just was so thoughtful in this. And um, 
He said, so what group are you with? And I said, most people never heard of us. I said, the Wesleyan Church. He goes, I know the Wesleyan Church. I almost went to one of your schools. And he said, I didn't. Um, and then he began to tell me about his wife, and he said, she lives in Michigan, that's a state I'm from, and he said, you, you won't know where this is, it's in Nuego County. My daughter just got a job in Nuego County to take care of all the people who were 55 and better in the, in, the, in the 25 townships in Nuego County. My kids live there. And he goes, oh, and, and her best friend attends a Wesleyan church there. I know, Inspire Church, I know the church. My son's on staff there part-time, you know? I mean, it's just, how could that have not worked out better? And then we finally, we were both needing to go, and I said, how can I best pray for you? And he said, yeah, I think it's the wayward thing. I think I need to come back to something. I prayed with him, and literally for probably three minutes afterwards, he just kept nodding and said, and I could tell he wanted to cry and wasn't going to. But he said, I'm so glad I ran into you today. I'm in a random airport in a random place with a random person. And God lined that up. Well, who else would he have lined it up with? He lines those kind of things up for us, but are we paying attention? Are we listening? Are we just on our phones? It's powerful when... You ask great questions, God moves in powerful ways. And then I'd say this one, are we sharing the word? Because his word transforms his lives. And, and they're in the word right there, you know? It's just so powerful. My wife is a pastor as well, and uh, for a lot of, uh, about three years, we had a micro church filled with Muslim men. Uh, we had a great contact that helped us get those men. Uh, it's still the craziest thing to me that they never knew who I was or what I did, but they knew I was gone a lot. But they listen to my wife, who's a pastor. And if, if you've met my wife, if you've never met her, she's, she goes deep immediately with everybody. It's just amazing how she does that. Um, and, and so these, these men just, just loved being there and for three years committed to it. And then they all decided they were done. But during that time, we studied the Gospel of Matthew. We studied the Gospel of John. We studied Philippians. We, we were in 1 John one night, and the guy who probably knew the most about Christianity, we were in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, these things are written that you might, that you might know that you have eternal life, and, and this comes through Jesus Christ. And he not only died for those who uh, love him, but he died for the sins of the entire world. And the guy's name, I can't say it, but just said, whoa, 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 wait, wait. What do you mean that he died for the sins of the entire world? I thought he only died for Christians. And you know, no, no, he died for the sins of the entire world. He goes, I've never heard that. We start again, and we started back to verse 1, got to chapter, verse 2 again, verse 3, and he goes, whoa, whoa, come on, wait, I have never, I don't, that's crazy. He died for people that aren't even wanting to be Christians? Yeah, that's the gospel, right? These things are written in which, you know, you know, I, I, and it just, again, so powerfully impacted. We got to the end, and we always do kind of an application time, and he goes, I've never heard that. I don't believe it. But I can't get away from that thought that he died not just for Christians, but for anyone. He's in a journey right now with a really good friend of mine, and he's asking questions that he's never asked before and going deeper than he's ever gone before because the word of God transforms lives. Are we sharing the word of God? The last one is, are we anticipating a point of decision? 
This guy was hungry to be baptized. I love this story. He tells the whole story. He must have told about baptism. They're in a desert. They happen to come along water. What keeps me from being baptized? You know, and boom, they're in there, and it's just this incredible experience. You know, I think back to my own life. I didn't grow up in the church at all. I started going to a Wesleyan church um, because the girl that I asked out was the pastor's daughter, and that's not why I did that, because I didn't know she was the pastor's daughter until my brother pointed it out to me because their picture was in the paper every, you remember newspapers? Uh, every week it was a family picture, and I'd asked the preacher's daughter out. She went with me because her parents were gone, and a young adult, godly woman said, I think you can go on a date with this guy. And I started going to church because it was a free date. I was only allowed to date twice a week, but they didn't count church. Love my parents. And so I went to church. I even went to Sunday school, man. You know, I was all in because I got to see her more. And there was a time after about five months where the gospel was presented on a Sunday evening. And I was sitting with her and her friend, and they went forward to pray Uh, I didn't know at that time, but they were praying for me. And I wanted to go forward and receive Christ so bad. And I didn't want to. And the pastor up front saying to everybody, every eye closed, no one looking around. But there was a guy named Gary who was over in another section, and he saw me. And I was crying. I was hanging out. We had pews back then. I was hanging out of that pew for dear, dear life. And Gary came over and said, would you like to go forward and receive Christ? You know, I've often thought about that moment. What if Gary would have just said, oh, there's another troubled teen. What if he would have said, you know, I'm going to try to catch that kid after the service and see maybe he's got special need I could talk to him about. Maybe he could have said, man, I'm going to pray. What if he would have had his eyes closed? Like the pastor said, everybody had eyes closed, no one looking around. Jesus saved my life that night because Gary said, would you like to go forward? He sensed a prompting. He heard Holy Spirit's voice. And he asked me the question and it has transformed my life forever. Are we anticipating points of decision in people's lives? Some of the people that are furthest away are actually really close because we don't know their heart. And some of them will take a long time and stuff like that. But could we actually live anticipating that if our God is moving and working, he would bring people into our lives who don't know him that we could actually help to bring to Christ? So take this personal, would you? Ask these questions. Am I listening for the Holy Spirit? You got to spend time with that question. Am I willing to cross barriers to people that are different than me, people that I don't even enjoy being around, people that are just really out there? Am I asking great questions? Do I share the word? Do I anticipate a point of decision? And I'll just add one more. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go? Because you know what? Four in 10 live without access to the gospel, and you know why they don't have access to the gospel? Because nobody's going to them to share Wycliffe has identified that they think in two years they'll finish every language. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But who's going to share it with them? Who's going to take it to them? Who's going to ask them questions? Who's going to tell them about Jesus? And you know what? Everywhere I go, I just believe that God, Holy Spirit, is speaking to some people that need to be saying yes to going somewhere very different than where you live right now. We just had 
a big youth conference, and uh, we took cards from almost 500 kids who felt called to ministry or called to missions. At our booth, Global Partners, we had 217 young people who said, I think I'm supposed to be a missionary, and we're following up with them right now. I believe that this next generation is going to change the world. And you know what? They're pretty messed up sometimes. And so was I. And so were many of you. In fact, I can probably figure out which ones you were. Uh, you know, but God's calling people. And if he's calling you today, you guys have connection cards? I'm so glad you do. Would you just put a note there where it says response box? And would you make sure your name's on that? And would you pass it into your pastor? Because I'm not going to follow up on that. You guys have missions going on here. Somebody will, and I'd love to be able to pray for you so that I can get names even. Because I believe with all my heart that he's calling people even today. And are you one of them? Are you one of them? You say, I'm too young, I'm too old, I don't have the skills, I don't have the training. So what? Philip was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was filled with wisdom. And where does wisdom come from, and where does the Holy Spirit come? It's all given as a gift. Is he speaking to you today? We pastored for a whole bunch of years, and at 52, we decided... God called us to missions. Normally, they don't even take people that old, you know? And here we are today. Would you bow your heads with me, please? I'm going to ask you to do a really simple thing. Um, and I'm going to start over on my right, your left, going the opposite of the earlier time. If Holy Spirit spoke to you, would you just make eye contact with me and maybe just wave your hand a little bit? But in this first section, that's you guys over here. Anybody over there? Next section over, you can look up at me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, great. Anybody else? If I didn't see a wave, yeah, thanks. Yep, yep. I'm in the first center section here. God spoke to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Next section over here. Just, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Coming over these last two sections. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Anybody else over here? Just kind of raise your hand. There's a little glare there, yeah. So Holy Spirit, you've seen these hands. You've seen their hearts. You know who they are. You call them by name. And you are so kind even today to speak to us. I pray that you'd raise up this church and these who have responded to new places, new peoples, some of them are thinking some of the people right in their neighborhood or maybe a part of this city or part of this, this state. Lord, you know what's going on here, and I pray that you would just raise them up. Would you confirm that? Would you silence the enemy's voice who would love to come and say, what were you thinking, and you can't do anything, and would you instead give them that, that ability to hear your voice and to respond? Some of them will have to make some pretty radical steps in the days ahead. Some of them already know, because you already spoke to them during this time, exactly what they need to do. Some of them are going to increase their giving to missions. Some of them are going to really talk to other people and say, well, okay, what do, I, what do I do next? Where do I go? Some of them are going to set appointments with some of the pastoral staff to say, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? Help me, please. And some of them have already said they would go but didn't follow through. And so would you enable them to actually do it this time. Some of them are thinking of neighbors. Some of them are thinking of a people group they can't get off their heart even this morning. God, I pray you want to 
with what you want to do, you would empower that then. You're so faithful. You're so good. We commit ourselves to you. So again, if you responded, would you please fill out that card? Borrow one, write on anything else you need to. And uh, let's trust God to do the greater work. Would you stand with us as we close in worship? 